What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are two guys that love a good fungus-infused virus. I'm Matt Johnson, and it is good to be with you again, Austin, my baby girl. <laughs> and I'm Austin Terry, and I regularly collect gears in case I need to modify a weapon. On today's show, of course, we are talking about our deep dive into HBO's live-action TV show version of The Last of Us. But before we get to that, Austin, when do you think we should expect a global epidemic to hit us as well? I mean, obviously, COVID-19, that's uh, on the mind. But when it comes to the level of The Last of Us... I mean, is this coming soon? What do you think? What What is your prediction? I mean, it's got to be like right around the corner, right? <laughs> Especially since the last one almost did us in and all we had to do was stay at home and watch the first season of Love is Blind and we couldn't even do that. I know. I, I mean, I did. I loved it. <laughs> I finished season three recently. <laughs> it It is a good question. I don't know. I mean, Austin, that's kind of like a natural transition for us. I was kind of, I was going to save it for later, but why not bring it up now? Um, uh, the Last of Us TV show, it's finally here. And when I say finally, I'm not really saying that for us necessarily. I'm saying that for people that played the game in 2013. They probably heard about it a couple years beforehand. Um, and they were excited about PlayStation and Naughty Dog's next game after like the, the, the first couple Uncharted's. And here we go. A zombie game sounds pretty cool. They play it and it is lauded as one of the greatest games of all time. Smash cut to seven years later, and that's when you and I were like, I'll play it. <laughs> I've heard it's good. And uh, we played it, uh, no joke, we played it for the first time during like the, the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. We had nothing else to do. We were kind of uh, locked in, and we're like, I guess I'll finally play this. Last of Us 2 is supposedly coming out, um, and that's when it happened. So I kind of want to, before we get into the show, I just kind of want to know your thoughts on... If you want to talk about the second game, of course, that's fine. But the first game specifically, because that's kind of um, what this adaptation is. What was that experience like for you? Because I know you were super excited to play it, but you ended up waiting seven years like me to play it for the first time. So talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, The Last of Us Part 1 is a game that I was hyped for like from the first time those trailers released, probably in like 2011. And at the time, I just didn't own a PlayStation. Years passed, timing never lined up to buy one, and I waited seven years, avoided all spoilers I could. Uh, and finally, when COVID hit, I was like, this is the perfect time. Bought a PlayStation, sat down, played The Last of Us, and it lived up to the wait. Uh, that's the highest price I can give it. It was everything I wanted and more. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite games I've ever played. Feel the exact same way about part two. So when they announced this show, I was nervous just because of the history that gaming adaptations have when they go to mainstream. But then they announced, hey, the creators from Naughty Dog are attached. Pedro Pascal's attached, the guy that did Chernobyl's attached. So I ended up becoming just as hyped for the show as I was for the first game. It's different for me because I guess my uh, curious mind, um, I couldn't satiate myself. So over those seven years, I did hear certain things uh, about the ending of the game, about the journey of the game, about the characters and all that stuff. I didn't want to, but it, it did happen for me. But... You know, seven years later, whenever I did end up playing the game, I still loved it just like you did. So I was like, hey, you know, maybe that's kind of like a good sign. I kind of knew where it was going to end, but I still loved it all the same. It's just a very exciting journey, fantastic storytelling. And the gameplay of it is better, I think, than other Naughty Dog projects, something like Uncharted, which I've kind of criticized for having fun Indiana Jones-esque stories, but the gameplay is kind of like 
garbage point and shoot, like not super fun. Uh, whereas Last of Us, there is a lot more to that gameplay. And like kind of how you said, whenever they announced, okay, we're finally going to make an adaptation, I was like, okay, I wonder who's going to be involved. And it's like, okay, so Neil Druckmann is involved. Oh, Craig Mazin from Chernobyl, you're involved. Okay, that sounds good. And whenever the casting started like slowly rolling out, I was like, all right, I got to see this now. And uh, I'm excited to finally be talking about it. And we're not talking about a full season, obviously. So it's going to be fun to talk about with you just like a singular episode. And of course, it's, it's more fun than that to talk about the premiere. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of whenever we talked about Andor last year. We kind of got to get into the nitty gritty a little bit. So I'm excited. So with that, Austin, um, I guess before we I, I really want to get into it. I'm really excited. Uh, but our last thing we got to do here is just how about before any spoiler, any cast, just whatever we want to do here before we like just fully break free. Uh, give me your non-spoiler thoughts on this premiere episode. Did it live up to your expectations? I know you were super excited. I think you were probably more excited than me. So non-spoilers, what did you think? Yeah, I was so excited. I actually, in the week leading up to this, I started replaying the first game. And I played all the way up to Pittsburgh because I wanted to make sure I had the intro like fresh in my mind before I went into the show. And coming fresh off kind of that intro experience of the game into the show, I think they kind of nailed it. I think I would give this a 10 out of 10. I absolutely love the premiere. Um, they did change some things, but everything they changed when it when I noticed it was different, I was like, wait, that's not. And then as it played out, I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's really smart. So all the changes they did, I think, makes sense for a TV show format. Performances, I think, are great. Uh, atmospherically, like they, they captured that perfectly. I, I can't wait to see where we go for the rest of the show, because this is kind of just Boston is what I would say in this in this first episode. This first episode is just Boston. Um, so getting into like more of the the monsters and the virus and the on the road stuff. I can't wait for the following eight episodes. Um, all I can say is I can't wait for more. And it, it blew me away. I was still nervous kind of leading up into it just because I wasn't sure what they were going to change or if it was going to kind of make sense to general audience who, have, who haven't played the game. But I thought they had really smart ways of kind of explaining how things work in this world. So overall, I'm, I'm thoroughly invested and can't wait to see more of the show. Yeah, definitely. I, I have so many minds here. Um, watching this episode was a real thrill. I think I agree with pretty much everything you said. I had a lot of expectations going in. I think the key difference between me and you is just that the last time I played The Last of Us Part 1 was essentially in early 2020 when I played it for the first time. So I'm not very keenly aware of the differences, even though it's been like over a couple of years. I still like don't really remember them. I remember like everything, of course, that happens in the intro and like the stuff that we'll get into with our characters initially. But uh, when it comes to like, oh, is that different? There, there were some moments where I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, not in a bad way. Uh, in, in a way, it kind of felt a little bit streamlined in that sense, because uh, by the time this episode wrapped up and it was like an hour and a half long, I was like, wow, if, if I like went back right now and played the first hour and a half of The Last of Us game, would I be this far? You definitely wouldn't. Yeah. The intro is really just like, here's the mechanics of the game. And right. that doesn't make sense for a show. So everything they kind of cut down, I thought was really smart in this first episode. Right. Definitely. I, so even though I didn't remember specifics, I kind of got that vibe, too, in, in a good way. My, my only and it's not a negative. It's just my question is while watching for whatever reason. And you mentioned it, Austin, like I really want to talk to people and I really wish Keith was here. He's going to be here. Next time we talk about The Last of Us, whether it be like the next episode or like halfway through or their finale, whatever the hell it ends up being. Um, but I want to know somebody that doesn't know the game, what they think of this. 
Um, because while I was watching, I was like, this feels really good. When I tried to like exit my mind and sit back, I was like, I think people would really like this. But is it like great? I think they would just think it's really good. I don't know why. Um, I don't really have an answer for that. So I'm excited to find out. Yeah, the only focus group I have is my wife, who has seen me play the games, but has never played the games herself. But she did watch the premiere with me, and she really liked it. Uh, so that's the, kind of all okay. I have. The only thing I have to go off of, too, is like just the early reviews. And I'm assuming not every TV critic out there has played the game. And the sure. early reviews are really good. So I would say I think general audiences are liking this, but I don't think we'll know until we're further into the weeks that the show runs. All right. Well, with that, I mean, Austin and I are clearly super excited to talk about this one. So uh, we definitely recommend it if you are somebody that has played The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part 2, or just any element of The Last of Us games. Uh, definitely watch the show, of course, over on HBO. And if you're somebody listening that has not played them, it sounds like I think you're going to enjoy this. It might give you those early, early Walking Dead vibes, which is always a good thing. I think that's going to be my sell to my parents who loved their early walking did and they fell off after a while so i'm gonna tell them to watch it because i want to know what they think this show won't have a baseball bat and a tiger Oof. so maybe that'll keep you in it that, that might keep them in it <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's what i'm gonna tell them but either way of course we're only gonna be talking about the first episode today but we are gonna get into full spoilers so if you've not watched the premiere episode of the last of us over on hbo this is your final warning go check it out and then come on back we'll be waiting for you it's gonna be a fun one can't wait to get more into this All right, Austin, let's get into it. Of course, as we always start off our uh, spoiler section, let's do the cast and crew. So hit me with the crew side. All right. So HBO's The Last of Us is created and written by Craig Mazon, who you may know from Chernobyl, and Neil Druckmann, who is the co-creator of The Last of Us Part 1 with Bruce Straley, and also the co-president of Naughty Dog Studios. And our score for the show is composed by Gustavo Santawaya, who is also returning from the games. He scored both Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2. And, of course, based on The Last of Us Part 1 by Naughty Dog Studios. That's right. And on the cast side here, we have a lot of people that we're excited to meet. But in this premiere episode, of course, we have Pedro Pascal playing Joel, Bella Ramsey as Ellie, Gabriel Luna as Tommy, Anna Torv as Tess, with Merle Dandridge reprising her role as Marlene from the games, and Nico Parker as Sarah. So, Austin, whether it be somebody in front of the screen or behind the scenes, is there somebody that you feel like we need to shout out here? I think I got to give my standout to Pedro Pascal as Joel. I know it's the easy one. Uh, I think he's perfect. And even when he's saying the exact lines from the game, I'm like, this is Joel. He sounds and kind of gives the same delivery as Troy Baker uh, whenever he's saying like those lines. Um, his facial expressions, everything that he embodies in this premiere, I think he's perfect. And they, I feel like they just kind of knocked us out of the park with this casting. So absolutely loved Pedro in this first episode. Yeah, it was kind of fun for me because, like I said, uh, clearly you are the one that um, has played The Last of Us Part 1. I, I, for whatever reason, I hate saying that. You're the one that has played The Last of Us before, uh, more recently than me. But even I, the way they were constructing scenes, it's been two plus years, but I still was recognizing things like whenever Joel comes home late on his own birthday and sits down on the couch and uh, gets his birthday present, which is the fixed watch from his own daughter who took his own money to do it. But then she acknowledges it. I was like, OK, I, this this blocking is like the exact same as the game. And of course, you know, Sarah's iconic death was framed 
literally the exact same way. Yeah, it's perfect. The way they rolled down the hill, the way Tommy was standing off, the way they cut back and forth. Like, it's been multiple years since I last played it and saw it, but I was like, this is exactly the same thing. Um, so that that was super crazy to see. And I, yeah, I agree with you. Pedro Pascal was fantastic. Cannot wait for more. Can't wait to watch that beard get thicker it's gonna as get the thicker. show goes on. That's too. salt and pepper. That's salt and pepper. Uh, we didn't see much of Bella Ramsey as Ellie, but she's a great actress and already can't wait to see more. Uh, <laughs> I think just in her few scenes. I think she's good. I think the only nitpick I would have for this premiere is I think she's playing Ellie a bit too angry this early on. Yeah. Um, Ellie has this like innate curiosity and kind of funness about her. And just looking at the premiere in a vacuum, we haven't really gotten that from her yet. So I hope we get more of that. But right now, I would say she's a little too angry in the role. That's fair. My, the thing that got me excited about her anger, though, is that it's that weird kind of backwards thing where if you play through the first Last of Us game, there's no mention really of her and Riley until you get to the end of the game. And then if you play the DLC later, it's like, oh, this is her backstory. I really liked this first episode. Marlene acknowledges her backstory with Riley, like her old friend and, you know, potential like first serious crush and all that uh, getting bitten and dying. Like they say that in this episode. So it's like, oh, OK, so they're kind of they're acknowledging the DLC, but in real time. So it's almost like yeah. that makes sense that Ellie would be kind of mad. But I do agree with you. Like it, it is like we didn't get too many Ellie scenes and she's very angry throughout so because of that for the sake of the premiere my main shout out is going to be nico parker as sarah who kind of like for all the things austin said about joel uh the beginning of the last of us game and now this show um if sarah doesn't really work as a character if you don't feel for that character if you're not feeling a closeness or just like some realness to that character when they die and Joel's reaction to their death, the rest of the show really isn't going to work that well. So shout out to her for her performance for that reason. I agree. Even the, even the chemistry they have in, yep. I think maybe 25 minutes of screen time was like palpable. Like I totally bought their relationship. So loved it. Even the, the short scenes with the neighbors and her going into town, like all that I thought was great. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into more detail right now and get into our in-depth freeform discussion. Uh, Austin, I'll open up to you. I don't know where you want to start here, but I'm excited nonetheless. Are there any thoughts or is there just anything that you want to say that you feel like would be a good opening that we haven't gotten into yet? Anything kind of a itch in the back of your mind? Yeah, let's get into the, the streamlined nature of this episode without kind of the non-spoiler barrier on us. So this is a very condensed down version of the Last of Us intro. Um, they spend a lot more time in kind of the prologue and then the QZ stuff is a little bit shorter. So what did you think about some of the stuff they changed? Um, did you did you thought this flowed well? Like, did they flesh it out? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think I'm even more interested in your answer <laughs> based on how you asked that, because I while watching I could very clearly tell that the prologue, so to speak, like the, the, the 20 years earlier prologue was much longer than it was in the games. That's not a bad thing. But then when it came to uh, Joel and uh, Tess and meeting Ellie and all that uh, 20 years later, that happened much quicker. Whereas like if you played the games, I remembered it's like, OK, it's a kind of a quick prologue. And then we cut 20 years later and we spend a while with just Joel and Tess and then we meet Ellie and everybody. I will never be somebody that is like, it has to be the exact same in the adaptation. That's not what I'm saying. I just thought it was super interesting 
that the prologue was much longer and like the intro all the way up to meeting Ellie was uh, streamlined. That's a good word, like like you said. And I'm surprised that it worked as well as it did because I was like, is this going to work? Like I, I, I kind of like got a hint at what they were doing. Um, but ultimately, what does it lead to? It leads to me feeling like even sadder when Sarah dies and feeling even more for Joel and Tommy when they lose this like member of their family for no real reason. It happens so quickly and it's so tragic. And then we cut 20 years later and we see Joel um, clearly just fucking out of it. He's the one person that's willing to burn all the bodies of the infected children. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like smuggling pills and stuff. That wasn't in the game. I thought that was a great touch. Like he's definitely a, a darker guy for sure. Yeah, he's a darker guy and we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to it. But throughout both Last of Us and particularly Last of Us Part 2, even when Joel's not on screen, it is very much implied that Joel is a uh, a violent character, particularly after the events of... um. Sarah's death when he was with Tommy uh, when they were fireflies yeah there's actually a, a, a line I forgot about playing through the game where Ellie asks him have you have you killed a lot of innocent people and he just kind of grunts back at her and she says I'll take that as a yes and he says you take it how you ever want to so definitely implied but never really shown uh, like never shown the darker stuff he did that's what I was thinking about in, in in the games it's just implied because they want you to love Joel like kind of wholeheartedly I think not a bad thing obviously but here uh, we see even more of Joel's what's the word whenever they're trying to leave Austin during the outbreak there's even more violence uh, we see him killing people in front of Sarah we see him kill somebody in front of Ellie, somebody that he clearly, I wouldn't say friends with, but was dealing with, you know, in uh, the quarantine zone. And the second things got bad, he murdered this person and it clearly affected him, but still he was willing to do it. So they are not shying away from the violence of Joel, which is something that I'm excited about because I think that will inform a lot better the rest of the season. And obviously... Uh, future seasons if they adapt Last of Us Part 2, so I'm excited. Yeah, when it comes to the streamlined nature, what I thought really worked was the extended scenes with Sarah, because when you play the game, you're playing as Sarah for those scenes, so it's easier to feel connected to her, whereas as an audience kind of viewer, you you need those extended scenes to know her and, and be attached to her. So I thought those scenes were great. The only thing I found jarring that I don't know if they needed to change was Joel leaving the night of to get Tommy from prison, because I was excited to see Sarah wake up and, and see the scene where Joel comes running back over from the neighbors, and then he shoots Bill in front of her. I was excited to see that scene because he's like, I'm warning you, I'm warning you. And, and that's like kind of your intro into this world. So it's still the same type of scene. Just as coming off the game, I was really looking forward to that. So that's like a very minor nitpicky thing. I also thought like the planes coming down was a great touch because oh, yeah. in the game, you go, you go into that small town and like everything's already on fire. And it's like, how is it happening this quick? But if, if planes are literally crashing out of the sky like that, like, of course, everything's going to kind of be damaged. So the like atmosphere of that I thought was so cool. No, that was a great touch. Um, yeah, when it comes to the Tommy element, uh, this was a question I wanted to ask you and save it for the episode. Again, like I've not played the game in two and a half years, but I remember distinctly there's a scene where Sarah wakes up on the bed after giving Joel the present. He's not there. And that's where we play as Sarah. And then he kind of comes in later and shit has already gone down. 
So why did he leave? Is it just implied like, oh, it's at some point during the night he left and like shit went down with the neighbors? Is that the idea? It's kind of implied he had to go over to the neighbors. I'm assuming he got woken up by everything happened. They okay. don't tell you. So giving you here's where he is. He's picking up Tommy from prison. Like that makes a ton of sense for a show. Just I wanted to, I really wanted to see the scene where he has to shoot the neighbor in front of Sarah. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. And it's one of those like cop out answers. I don't know how good of one it is, but it does feel like if we kind of remove our experience from The Last of Us one game, um, I'm very interested in Tommy. And this episode brings up Tommy a lot. And we see Gabriel Luna as Tommy quite a bit, whereas the game, uh, they mention him. But in the in the early days of like the 20 years later thing, Tommy's not really brought up all that much. And then you just get to him later in the game. It's like, oh, Tommy, good to see you. Well, and that's a pretty big change, too. Because right. in the game, it's implied they're estranged at this point. Definitely like, he's are. not looking for Tommy at all. And I think they are ultimately going to be estranged here. It just it seems like Joel is the one reaching out and maybe Tommy isn't answering because they are estranged. But I like the fact that like they are kind of leaning into the Tommy element more because I love Tommy as a character. And um, what you were saying, like, did we need to have him leave for that specific reason? I kind of agree with you. I don't think so. But I think it will ultimately lead to a bigger payoff because I think Tommy's going to play a bigger role in this show than we expect. Yeah. And I'll say this too, like looking at this as someone who hasn't played the game, Sarah waking up and Joel not being there makes a lot more sense that he's picking Tommy up from prison than he's just over at the neighbor's house next door. So right. like it's, a, I, thought, I think it's a good change for a general audience. All right. Well, I mean, we talked so much about the opening. I mean, the last thing I really want to ask about it is the iconic nature of it. The death of Sarah leading into the 20 years later a time skip. How did you feel about that? Especially as somebody that just played the game again, did this hit like all the changes, all the things that they did before this, did it feel like it added up to something that made you really feel while watching? I mean, did this work? Because again, like I said, if the Sarah death in the last of us doesn't really hit, then the entire like theme and everything about <laughs> the rest of the game and the story doesn't work either. Yeah, man, a hit for me. Um, I thought it was super emotional, uh, especially I was scrolling through Twitter right before we recorded, and there's a lot of memes going around of like me watching every plot point of The Last of Us, knowing what's going to happen, and still being shocked, just like with funny images. And I was like, "Yep, I totally agree with that. Like, I know exactly what's going to happen here, and it still kind of hit me and got me emotional when Sarah died." Hundred percent the same for me. I knew exactly what was coming, um, and I was still devastated. And like I said, it felt like I do think when it came to the death of Sarah. It was um, blocked the exact same way as the game. Like whenever like the gun goes off, yeah, they fall down, they that roll ditch, down the hill. That. Tommy kills the guard. He shows up. He's standing afar. Joel is laying on the ground. Tommy's like Joel, and then Joel looks over, goes over to Sarah. She's holding herself, <laughs> her stomach the same way. It was like the exact same blocking, which makes it even harder <laughs> to nail from an emotional standpoint. But. That's where you have to bring in people like um, Pedro Pascal, Nico Parker, and Gabriel Luna. And then it's like, okay, so these performances in live action uh, work the same way. And everything that led up to it, like you said, incredibly emotional. Um, and that cut to 20 years later. My only nitpick is that's where I wish it would have said The Last of Us. <laughs> but it still <laughs> rocked. It still rocked. <laughs> Did you think we were going to see 
anything during the 20-year gap? Were you surprised we went straight into Boston? Well, was I surprised? No. Would that have been cool? Maybe. And will we still see that? Because we have, like you said, this has been streamlined and we were both surprised um, with like an hour and a half. Like if you just like compare uh, this show's like runtime and the game's time, you would be further in the show than the game, which is pretty rare. So that might leave time to do flashbacks to like Joel and Tommy where they were trying to make it work with the Fireflies or trying to make it work by themselves, which we always heard about in the games when they are extremely violent and then Tommy ultimately left. So maybe we get that stuff. Obviously, Joel and Marlene know each other from way back. So sounds like Tommy and Marlene know each other, too. Yeah. And that and all that shit was always said in the games, but it was always just said. Maybe we get more into that. It's definitely possible. Yeah, I thought it was smart to get straight to Ellie. That that was one thing I was worried about was we were going to do the intro and then and then they were going to spend time in the 20 year gap. I'm glad we did that. I think people would have been pissed if we didn't get to Ellie in the first episode. I thought it was really effective, too, to come like you called out, come straight off Sarah's death, opening up Joel's on work detail and he's just burning kids like it doesn't mean anything yeah. to him. Like, it's just such a good way of showing this is a, a totally different guy and he's been through some stuff in these 20 years. Definitely, definitely. That's how the game does it, and the show does a great job of that, too. And I like how they took different visual cues, the way he's taking jobs. You wonder why he's still alive. He's just kind of going through the motions. Like, the only thing that he's really kind of living for is, you know, Tess, played by Anna Torv. Um, And it's not even that he's, like, specifically living for her. It's just that they have a good rapport. So it's like, oh, this is something that I can live for. And just yeah. in a few scenes, I think Pedro Pascal and Anna Torv really sell this relationship. And much like the game, you kind of ask yourself, what is this relationship? Is it like full on boyfriend, girlfriend? Is it romantic? It's just kind of a thing. And you kind of buy it as something. There is just an unspoken thing there. And I kind of like it that way. Um so uh, I like them together. I love their scenes. I love the introduction once we got to the 20 years later. And yeah, I mean, if we're going to go full on into like differences with the games, the one that I can probably speak to a little bit, Austin, is like basically like the tutorial level in the game once you play as Joel is like getting a revenge on Robert, <laughs> who uh, <laughs> stole your shit. Whereas in the show, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> he stole your guns. And Joel's like, what the fuck? Let's go get him. And then they just like, go over there and he's dead <laughs> i'm not saying that in a bad, i thought that was fun i like that but it's just like we're skipping the tutorial stuff this isn't a video game it's actually done way better than the game as much as i hate to say it because in the game you go kill robert and then just marlene walks out from around the corner and is like hey i'm here i'm marlene so hey. this was a lot like it's definitely more cohesive how they stumble upon each other yeah exactly i also thought it was cool just to see like the minutia of living in the QZ. We, you don't really get that in the first one. Like I, I never realized they were working for rations. I thought that was interesting. And you can sign up and like the crappier details pay more and things like that. I, that was like really nice touch that I enjoyed learning about. Yeah, that was a really good call. Uh, There's so little time spent um in that opening area in the game. It, I guess it's just more cutscenes and dialogue. Whereas here, we got to feel the world a little bit more in kind of a real way. Um, and I like Joel, how he fit into that. Kind of respected. People also seem kind of scared of him when he walks by. Very good, subtle visual storytelling there. Uh, but I do want to get more into Ellie, Austin, because I know uh, you said 
potentially a bit more angry than we wanted to see. But let's talk about Ellie. We got like maybe three or four scenes, mostly um, uh, kind of bunkered up and uh, chained <laughs> up, which I guess we can't say why. I guess Ellie does say why at the end, but it's that weird like spoiler thing. What did you think of Bella Ramsey's Ellie? That's what I want to ask you. Yeah, overall, I think she's great. Um, I thought the scene where she captured Ellie the most was when they get to kind of the hideaway and she figures out the code on the radio. That's where I got a little hint of like, okay, Bella can do that little softness that Ellie has. So I'm excited to see more of that. I still do think she's a bit too angry in this premiere, um, but she also is coming off of being chained up for three days. So kind of makes sense too. Um, the her being chained up with the fireflies is something we don't see in the game. Thought it was again very smart. Kind of helps you get better introduced to Marlene, get a little introduction to the fireflies. Overall, I'd say I really enjoyed it. I'm just hoping to get kind of more of the softer side of Ellie from her in the coming episodes. For sure, I, I'm very much excited for it too. I think Ellie is a character that works with that snarky attitude that Joel also has. Um, there's a dryness to Joel. And there's less of one to Ellie, but there is uh, a fun sarcasm there. Uh, there is a levity and there can be a seriousness. And I think just in these few scenes, we kind of saw elements of all of those uh, bits and pieces. So I think they're just trying to set Ellie up for us. So I'm excited to see what Bella Ramsey ultimately does here. When it comes to the Fireflies and Marlene and all that, I I'm kind of with you, too. They, they gave us really just one scene in the premiere here just to kind of preface all of that which was uh, the scene before like a joel and tess walk in and like marlene and some of the other fireflies are shot to shit uh and it's like oh you, you gotta take them joel and it's like okay and this idea of oh maybe ellie's the key so it, it is that element that I, I'm very fascinated how the show will play off of that. But clearly, the whole thing along the way in these next, I guess, seven episodes before the finale or whatever it ends up being, it really is just how Joel and Ellie are going to bond. And I think there's enough there from both of our lead performances here that I'm excited about how that chemistry is going to develop. I also liked in the interaction they had between Marlene and Joel. She kind of implied that Joel's been a fuck up a little bit recently. Like she says, Joel, don't mess this up. Like we really, you really can't get this one wrong. And I kind of like that hint of their relationship. I'm actually curious if we're going to get like a Firefly centric episode and maybe this is not the last we've seen of Marlene. That's a very good question. Because yeah, in the games, right? Uh, Marlene is pretty much in the beginning and then the end. So how does that work here? I don't know. Cause, oh, man, that's such the I mean, we can talk about it now. Finally, Austin. But I mean, that that's the big thing. We don't really know how this season ends. We know you and I both know how The Last of Us. I still hate saying part one. We know we know how that <laughs> ends. But does season one of this show on HBO end the same way? Does it end later? Does it end earlier? Is there going to be more seasons? Like the one thing that Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin haven't said is there's going to be more for sure. So it's like, yeah. OK, that's kind of interesting. We know Left Behind is going to play a significant role in at least one episode of this show. They are going to do flashbacks. So it's like, OK, that's kind of cool. We know we're getting an expanded view of Bill and Frank's relationship in this show. They've said that. Also excited for that. I don't know if you've stayed for like the look ahead of like this season on. 
Uh, but they, there was a shot in there of Joel in the hospital from the game's finale. So we're going to get there is what it looks like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it ends the same way, that means, what, eight episodes from now? We're there? Does, do you feel good about that? Does that sound like, can we get there with eight hours of content, essentially? Do you feel good about that? Based on the way they streamlined this episode, it seems like by the end of episode two, we're going to be in Pittsburgh already because we're moving quick through this story. So we'll see. Um, I, I do want, because the game is very slow. It's a slow moving game. And I thought it was very good to get through this episode quickly. It still felt slow, I thought. Uh, but yeah, we still got kind of through the main story beats pretty quickly. I hope the story does slow down. I'm really curious to see how they're going to use stealth in this show, because that's a huge part of the game, sneaking around. Um, combat scenarios can take like an hour sometimes in this game just because you have to be so slow moving. Um, so I, I, I'm wondering how much they can slow it down and still keep it engaging for audiences. That's like my biggest curiosity moving ahead is how are they going to use stealth in this show? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know, they kind of gave us a really dark, fucked up look at that potentially <laughs> at the end with Joel taking out this guy who was calling out for help. So it's not like that guy could have gotten help, but he just beat him to death. And right after that in the game is like your first real stake stealth part of the game, too. Like you're getting hunted by the Fedra soldiers as you make your way out of Boston. And not only that, they're walking into like the uh, fucking fucked up zone is what I'll call it. I don't know the actual name. And the final <laughs> shot of the episode is uh, showing like the collapsed buildings and hearing the clickers just making their sound. So obviously we're going to get some. Uh, we're going to get the museum. Next episode, we're going to get all that good stuff. So The hotel where you fall into the basement yeah, with the bloater and the stalkers. We got to get that. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. But what are your expectations, Austin, when it comes to the rest of the season, particularly the next few episodes? Because my guess, spoilers again, final warning. <laughs> my guess is episode <laughs> two ends with Tess dying. Episode three skips ahead to uh, meeting up with Bill. That's my guess in these early days of the show right now. I I think we'll be at Bill by the end of episode two. Okay. I think Tess will die in the intro of episode Ooh. two. Just because, I mean, the only next like part is just them walking to the Capitol building. My guess is just how long do they extend that to your point? Like, do they do a lot of stealth? Do they? Like a, a lot of that kind of shit? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I also don't know if the Left Behind DLC is going to be a full episode. I'm wondering if that just might be told in flashbacks throughout the show. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do not know. I know it's a part of the show. I know that for sure. I guess I won't spoil it for people. I know the actress that is playing Riley because they've announced that. Um, but I don't know if it's like a separate episode. Is that going to be just flashbacks interspersed throughout? Like we said, they did mention Riley in this episode, which I did appreciate. I liked kind of that natural integration. Um, but we'll see how that works. I mean, if they're do if they're doing the entire first game, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to where Joel in the university in Colorado, right after meeting with Tommy, falls, impales himself on the rebarb, is like fucking almost dying. That's where you switch in the game to Ellie. Um, uh, that's where you would like uh, do like a quick episode to like break up the tension. Before she meets David and the cannibals, that's where you would break up tension with showing the Left Behind DLC. Because that's where the Left Behind yeah. DLC takes place. So maybe they'll do it chronologically. So that could be a fun prediction. I guess we'll see. How dark do you think Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog are willing to go with Joel? 
we're seeing him selling pills or seeing him kind of drinking himself into a stupor. We didn't see that in the game. Uh, it's implied that he's very hungover when you first meet him 20 years later. So we're already seeing him do darker stuff. If we get a flashback with him, do you think we'll see even worse stuff with him and Tommy? Uh, if they do a flashback, they have to. Because in both part one and part two of the games, they explicitly say that Joel, Joel being so fucked up and so dark and bad and presumably evil was the reason that Tommy left. So that's where the rift started between the brothers. And clearly in the game and in the show, Joel is trying to fix that and he blames it on the fireflies, whereas Tommy's like, you were the one that uh, I didn't agree with what, the, what you were doing. Um, we kind of like find more about that through dialogue between other characters and sometimes in, in the case of Joel and Tommy. But it's a great question. I mean, if they really want to explore like the depths of those characters and they want it to be not just through dialogue, then. I mean, there's precedent for doing really fucked up stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we know how Joel like kills people and like interrogates people, you know, so. I guess it's it's a testament to the writing. There's a way to do that and still make us like the character at the end of the day when it comes to his relationship with Ellie. And I think if you nail that, then that's a testament of a good show. It's like if you can make us like turn our heads because we're so disgusted at how he's like interrogating and like uh, screwing over people with Tommy and Tommy's like, dude, you're my brother. I love you, but I have to go. Like This is disgusting. And then cut to 20 years later or whatever it is. And Joel and like Ellie are from this relationship akin to his relationship with his daughter. And it's like, oh, we love him again. I mean, that's great. Right. So if they can do that again, then we'll see. But I, I, I'm hoping to your original question that they're not going to shy away from the darkness because why would you? I mean, he, he's always been a really dark and fucked up character. I agree. I actually kind of really hope we see it because I think that's going to inform my experience with the game too. Like if I'm going through these scenes with Ellie and now I know what he's done in the past, I think it's almost going to make the game more fleshed out and lived in for me. So I'm really excited to see how this show complements the game. Definitely. All right, everybody. Well, before we close out here, this is super exciting. It is time for the Arnie's podcast awards. This is the part of our show where we take something, it can't be positive, it can't be negative, it can't be anything in between. It's just something that we feel deserves specific praise. So, Austin, what do you think when it comes to The Last of Us? What deserves an award? Yeah, I'm going to give the Earworm Award to Ellie, because uh, she brought up the Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go song, and then later, uh, when she's knifing someone in the calf, I have Wake Me Up Before, before You Go-Go go. <laughs> stuck in my head. So thank you for that, Ellie. <sighs> Man, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. All right, everybody. I have something that struck me in such a strange way that I have to bring it up. It could technically be a spoiler. So if you did not watch the scenes ahead on uh, The Last of Us on HBO, here's your final, final warning. But my award is just for the worst passage of time. And, and that goes to ever put the mustache on Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> they put the salt and pepper in uh, Pedro Pascal's hair. It looks great. 20 years have passed. And for Tommy, they just put a really thin, weird looking mustache on his face. And it honestly <laughs> bothered me. 
So I don't like Maybe it. he drew it on himself. Maybe he was jealous it's of Joel's salt and pepper. Possible. It's definitely possible. I'm excited to see the design of that Wyoming town in the show. When will we see it? Who knows? Who knows? All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that. So continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. If you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, throw us up us out. At the Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for another episode, and we'll be back in the weeks to come with more thoughts on The Last of Us. I wish this had been like a three-episode premiere. Oh, I was thinking about that the exact same time. <laughs> Once the credits rolled, I was like, I need at least one more. Uh, but with that, everybody, uh, we want to hear from you. So message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of The Last of Us premiere? What are you hoping for the rest of the season? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on the latest episode. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. They're all my baby girls. <laughs>